Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Yo. Hello. Cool. And we are picking up where we dropped off. We're talking comics again. Before we get into that, let's get a quick plug in. We are an affiliate with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Comfy wrestling gear to wear. It's, I mean, honestly, it's good clothing in general, but it's also wrestling wrestling clothing. Um, go ahead and, uh, if you use the promo code four corners podcast, that's number four, capital C and corner, capital P and podcast, no spaces, get 10% off of your order. And we talked about big last episode. So that's what I'm going to leave it at with this one. And one thing we do need to do is we need to give a shout out to someone we want to see in a comic book, right, Matt? That would be Epico Cologne. Um, yeah. Epico Cologne, uh, as far as I know, survived, uh, end game. So he can uh, he can certainly <laughs> he can he have, probably has enough he probably has the power to wield the Infinity Stones so he might he let me put it to you this way I would love to see Epico in a comic because I know for a fact it would be better than the Nash comic mm. what that I'm not aware of this oh oh my god okay. I remember the uh, the the very short-lived warrior comic book yeah uh, yeah with distrucity and skronk and all that yeah we've talked about that before and it's kind of jarring the nash comic book is done in the same art style and it's terrible the idea is that nash is like the he's like a mad max character in a post-apocalyptic world except he's nash so he doesn't sell anything (laughs) And it starts off with him hooking up with a chick who is extolling his virtues, who then tries to kill him, and he knocks her out with one punch. It was covered on WrestleCrap many moons ago. It's 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 bad. If you can track it down, um, the Undertaker comic from like the late 90s when they were doing those WWE comics is actually kind of okay. I have one of those. Um, it's the, the I have the last issue. <laughs> Where he and, yeah it's like he and kane are like these demons from hell and like there's like this whole like netherworld like undertaker kind of meets mortal combat-y thing going on with it and it's not bad also paul bear and mankind have powers too yeah yep it's you know if you're gonna tell me it was an undertaker comic i want to kind of announce something before we kind of get into the meat of this episode so after this episode we're going to be doing possibly two or three episodes on the mega powers and the exploding of said mega powers 
So um, if you're listening to this, uh, reach out to us on social media and give us your thoughts on it because we want to do a feedback episode and have some, you know, comments from listeners to read and make sure to say if you think Hogan or Savage was in the right. All right. So, uh, Matt, there was a there was another shout out you wanted to do, right? Yeah, I actually want to give a shout out to a loyal listener. Um Mr. Lucas Strong, he is at Mr. Beefy eighty four. <laughs> um, want to give him a shout out because he uh, he frequently likes or comments about uh, the podcast episodes, uh, and he is a huge comic book fan. I know he he, uh, he likes Alterna comics, which I have not actually read a lot of their stuff, but I've heard good things about them. So they also keep uh, just, their comics like cheap, from what I've heard. Like they they stay in the uh, buck ninety nine range. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that. That's one of the things that I actually find intriguing about them. I have not had a chance to pick up some of their stuff, but I, think uh, I they, do want to because I've heard good things. I think they do their stuff on newsprint, and that's how they keep the price down. But I've been interested in trying their stuff, but I just need to like pick something and go with it. You know, just as a sidebar, doesn't doesn't manga do like newsprint for dep- a lot of their books? It depends. So, like, what manga usually does is um their stuff releases in magazines typically Mm -hmm. weekly or monthly but then they do their collected editions it's usually about newsprint quality and black and white and then you get for 10 to 12 dollars you get about 200 pages which is eh, six or seven of the chapters yeah and honestly like it they're kind of killing comic books right now wow because the thing with manga is manga covers everything. So if you wanted to read manga, you could read like one of my favorite manga series is about a high school team playing football, American hmm. football. Hmm. So you could do sports, you could do murder mystery. Like it covers all variety of ranges and it's at a nice price. That's yeah. Interesting. Point is like, I actually like the idea of doing comics on newsprint to keep it ch- uh, cheap. It doesn't all have to be super glossy pages. Right. Well, listen, so I, you, know, you know what I hate about glossy, though, is when you're trying to read a comic and it's on that super glossy stuff, like, it, your sweaty fingertip, like, starts to ruin the page. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, well, I end up buying trades most of the time is how I do it. So it's it's not quite the same gloss, but... Okay, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to we're going to go into follow up from our last episode. We talked about our top 3 each favorite superheroes in depth. Uh, we're going to talk about some honorable mentions and some villains, right? Uh, we're not going to go quite as in depth this go round, but um, honorable mentions. The, I don't think these are in any particular order. So um, if you guys don't mind, I will start off with my this is my my I think my top honorable mention if you guys don't mind for me to start off with. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh mine is going to be the thing Ben Grimm. I he's think actually that was my probably on all of our lists. Yeah. He's my favorite Marvel character. Um you know, it came from a book I read when I was in I think when I was in middle school and it it, it came from Ben's storyline talking about how he couldn't control his super strength and he was so heavy and everything he had to deal with. I think I've mentioned that on air before. But then part of what 
defines Ben Grimm is also part of what defines Dick Grayson. He gets along with everybody. Everybody loves him. In the middle of the Civil War storyline, everyone still set everything aside to play nice and go to um, Ben Grimm's poker tournament. And, you know, I just, I, I really enjoy Ben Grimm. He's, uh, he's a great character. Also, noted professional wrestler, and I don't remember the name of the promotion now, which upsets me. Oh, well, I, I did reference Wrestler at the beginning of last episode. There's your callback with Ben Grimm for... Uh, I think it was like the U something or other. It was Universal, some kind of wrestling, wasn't it? Yeah, it had a very interesting like divisional setup. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go find those comics. Uh, I will... Say the thing is the uh, the main focus of one of my favorite uh, comic book issues of all time. That's Fantastic Four number fifty one. I think. Nah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it, it is the one and only comic book that I have uh, I have signed by Stan Lee. At this oh. point, it'll be the only comic book I own by Stan Lee because yeah. uh, he's unfortunately passed away. But he did uh, plot it. The storyline for that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I had him sign. I have, unfortunately, the copy I have is not in good quality because uh, that's an older comic. I could not afford a really good copy of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did. I do own that. I do have it signed by him. It's one of the best uh, stories that I. It's it's a personal favorite of mine. It basically, for those who don't know, really briefly, it's about a uh, a guy who basically uh, uses some sort of device to transfer the thing's powers to himself so he becomes the thing which turns the thing human again mm-hmm. uh and then there's some weirdness with the negative zone and reed richards and ultimately the guy who initially that the, the imposter was initially kind of like presented as villainous but uh the way the storyline goes is for the issue is that he has to actually sacrifice himself to save humanity basically because the the negative zone was Something bad was going to happen. I forget exactly, but it was going to destroy our universe and the negative zone universe. Right. He had to sacrifice himself to stop that. And once he once he did that, Ben Grimm becomes uh, the thing again. He reverts mm-hmm. back to the thing since his powers return to him. But it, it was a really fantastic storyline. It kind of presented the sting and a uh, the, the sting <laughs> the thing and the, the thing. I'm like flashing back to. Steve Borden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it presented the thing in a great light. Uh, it also kind of was a really like complex story uh, with this imposter. So that's one of the best, th- uh, fantastic four stories in my opinion. But yes, Thing is like an amazing character. Yeah, yeah. It, the thing that frustrates me, no pun intended, is that um, as you know, as great as the thing is, and as much as I love him. I cannot stand what goes on around him. Like, I I hate Reed Richards. I'm bored by Sue. And Johnny's okay sometimes. The thing with Johnny and the thing... Well, the thing is, though, the interplay between the thing and Johnny and their back and forth and one-upsmanship is great. And um, also his feud with the Yancey Street gang is something that's that's ever-present and always amazing. The the interplay between oddly enough Chris Evans and Michael Chiklis was the the thing I enjoyed in those you know two thousands Fantastic Four movies. 
And that, also, like, yeah. later issues where he just kind of adopts Lockjaw is also great. Oh, yeah. Daggone it. There it is. The, one of my favorite The Thing moments. Lockjaw has been wandering around because he's got a piece of moon rock stuck in one of the folds of his skin. He went to Owatu, who said, I know of the rock stuck in your skin, yet I cannot interfere, for I am the Watcher, which was both incredibly frustrating and hilarious at the same time. Lockjaw and then it was comes so to, annoyed. Yeah, Lockjaw. You see, a, you, if you've never seen a pissed off bulldog before, there you go. And then he comes to Ben Grimm, who finds it and takes it out, and Lockjaw is so happy. I loved. I grew up with English bulldogs, though, so I'm I'm kind of. I, I I was I was in a corner there. There was no way I could not like that. I think my favorite. That's also from the same series as where I think Alicia Masters comes over and decides she wants to hook up with him, and he literally throws every hero in the Marvel universe out of his apartment playing poker. <laughs> And they're all just, like, standing at the door like, well, I guess we better go find something else to do. <laughs> we can't really blame him, can we? <laughs> all right. Um, Brad, why don't you give us another honorable mention? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do a collective because they wouldn't make it. Um, I'd have a trouble. It's, it really is a collective because I don't think I'd necessarily be interested in them in, like, solo stuff necessarily but the x-men as a whole probably my my most collected series i think there was a point where i had a 20 25 year run of issues of uncanny uninterrupted Mm -hmm. um i gotta agree the x-men were honestly perfect the perfect comic for teenagers you know um even if if you weren't feeling like you were in in a maligned group, it was still a, uh, you know, it was, it was really it, it just fit perfectly, right? Yep, and I think um, I think the core group of people that I really think of when I think of the X Men would be Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Wolverine, and probably Kitty Pride. It's interesting you don't have Cyclops in there. Uh, I mean, he, Scott Summers around. is a dick, but. He's around there, but like people, people don't utilize him well. Like I kind of liked um, yeah, about a decade ago when he was being more like militant mm-hmm. and kind of taking them in this weird like kind of militaristic direction. But most people don't really do his character very well. Yeah, well, he his character is kind of oddly defined. I like the X-Men, too. Uh, the variety and the super specialized people, you know, and, and like the dichotomy you get, like the Colossus Kitty Pride dynamic. They just got really too far afield with the concept. I give they started you... getting into second, secondary mutations, it started getting weird when you had, like, Lion Beast and stuff. I was going to, the, the examples I was going to use were Cypher and Maggot. I love oh, Cypher, wow. though. Cypher's I mean, old school. But you know, Cipher's thing was I can I can what read and speak every language, right? Yeah, that that's was cool. Like if you're going to work at the UN, but to be a member of the X Men, that seems out of place. I mean, but, with the Shi'ar running around, it would be helpful. May, well, but it, it's that's like an ancillary character. That's not like one of your your go to X Men kind of things. It, that's how it seems to me. 
And I mean, um, I think they have a great cast of villains. Like, I think Magneto's gotten kind of played out over the years. Um, the Sentinels are always interesting and very underrated, but Mojo is quite the interesting villain. And kind of in the same vein as him, Arcade is interesting. Uh, yeah, Arcade's... I remember Arcade. They've kind of underutilized Arcade. Um, he's very interesting. I think the problem with Arcade is like a lot of the current creators are trying to like pad things out for six issues series and they aren't creative enough to use him properly. So he's just kind of fallen to the wayside. That and how much it would cost to, you know, to build arcades, you know, sets. That's, that's pretty big. (laughs) I think, I think they could get a really great like movie or like two part TV show out of him. Maybe. I could see that. All right. Matt, why don't you give us an honorable mention? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, this one is uh, not particularly a hero, I guess. More of an anti-hero. But I will go with uh, the Punisher, Frank Castle. Okay. All right. I, I uh, can definitely see that. Okay. Please, uh, could you expound on him just, just a touch? Sure. Uh, as I kind of said last episode, when I really started getting hardcore into comics, like actually collecting them, not just like, you know, watching a cartoon on TV, was the 90s. Uh, and the 90s, like Punisher was kind of everywhere in the Marvel Universe. He had, I think, multiple series. He was popping up in lots of uh, guest starring issues for sh- uh, for comic book series, like Spider-Man. He was all usually in spider-man a lot he was in uh daredevil he was all over the place uh but kind of kind of became fascinated by the character i kind of liked the fact that he was an anti-hero who was willing to basically kill people which is not what most of the marvel superheroes would actually do uh it kind of fit with the gritty theme of the 90s the 90s kind of went in that direction uh i think that they've done some really cool stuff in recent years, obviously, with the Punisher show on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not been well-served in kind of the... at least in, like, the movies. I don't think the, any of the Punisher movies have been that good. Oh, the second That's, one was okay. I'm gonna be honest with you. I enjoyed the Tom Jane Punisher. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, I yeah, like it was it kind of much. throttled back to be PG-13 because... They, I mean, that's they were trying to go to a wider audience, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, I wasn't as much of a fan. But, uh, I thought, um, I thought in, the Spider-Man cartoon actually did a really good job with him, despite like it being a cartoon. Forgot all about that. Yeah. I forgot he was in that. They did a good job with him in that. Because they they used him when he um they did the man spider thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm remembering I remember him like calling for weapons from the battle van and stuff. Yeah. They did a good job with Blade in that too, actually. In my head, Blade is Wesley Snipes, and I can't help yeah. it. <laughs> so Um, that's that's you know, that's interesting. Um the uh, I don't. I'm gonna put this out there. You you're probably aware of it, but 
if you remember the um, there was it was basically a fan film, but uh, the uh, Tom Jane fan film Dirty Laundry. Did you ever get to see that? I did not. It is. Go look it up. It is. It's got Tom Jane. It's got Ron Perlman in it. It's about the day the Punisher, after the Punisher gets one of his hideouts raided, and, and he's like, uh, so he's trying. He's trying to set up somewhere else, and he stops in this awful street in this town to do some laundry. Um, just trust me. Check it out. It's. I'll have to check it out. It is. It is. You'll look at that and go, "That's the Punisher right there." Now, I do. I do like the Punisher as he relates to Daredevil. Is where I kind of encounter him the most is in Daredevil comics, and I like their relationship uh, quite a bit. Because mm-hmm. they really accentuate their differences, and they don't really like each other, but they they they're because of where they work and their power level they do cross paths quite a bit yeah yeah that yeah that they absolutely do okay i actually have the punisher's first appearance um in that spider-man issue yeah i have that issue yeah oh man i should see how much that's worth i bet that's gone up since i got it it might have um all right, that's a. I think that's a good entry, Matt. Um, I'm going to go for a more obscure entry on the honorable mentions list. This character comes from the pages of the Justice Society of America. Uh, Star Girl, Courtney Whitmore. I may be the only person that's in you know currently recording that's familiar with her though. No, I've I am um, I read oh, JSA yeah. and Justice Society. Oh, okay, all right, fair. Yeah. Enough. I, 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 I've, I haven't uh, read as much recently, but I did back in the day. So, yeah, they, I'm aware of okay. They haven't done anything with her for, like, a long time. Well, there's probably a good... There's probably a reason for that. Um, you it's remember... based on Jeff John's sister, isn't it? His or younger his... sister, yeah. who was in the plane crash that went down right around the 96 Olympics. Okay. And so she was 16 at the time. So Courtney Whitmore is, first of all... Yes, it, it's based on Jeff's sister, but the other side to it is she is a very real, very fleshed out character because it's basically Jeff Johns writing his sister in as an homage to her. Yeah. And she's, like I said, she's a very complete, very good character. And the reason no one's done anything with her is because Jeff won't let him. I'd be willing to bet. Well, I liked I liked the Injustice Society when they brought the I don't remember her name now. I can picture her plain as day, but I don't remember the name when they brought in like a fangirl for her. And it was kind of her getting to grow like into a more competent character. She had like the wind powers. Oh, um, that was the the new Red Tornado. That yeah. was um, Maxine oh, Hunkel, so- Ma Hunkel's granddaughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it, and, te- um, was it, was it Tempest? Or? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. Tempest. Yep. Yeah, okay. it was Tempest. Uh, and um, she was also acting as the mentor to um, Black Lightning's daughter. Oh, yeah. The, the battle cry, I want to drive a car, um, stuff like that. Yeah, that was something I loved about Justice Society. Not only did you have the family dynamic... But you also had 
like the generations learned from each other. It wasn't just the older people telling the younger people what to do. They all learned from each other. Just um, just as a side to this, um, one of my favorite things from the Justice Society of America was Starman. And um, his uh, checking himself into the insane asylum and oh, he was yes. excited it was Sloppy Joe Day. Yes, he was so excited because Superman came to see him. And he said, you came on the right day, it's Sloppy Joe. And in the middle of, in the middle of eating a Sloppy Joe, he says, he says, you want a Sloppy Joe? Uh, you want a sloppy Joe? And Superman looks at him and smiles and says, "More than anything, Tom," and sits down and has lunch with him. And that was just so wonderful. Star uh, Girl also did make an appearance in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. She did. She was in Justice League Unlimited, and she was in um, Smallville. I never when watched they, Smallville. When they did the, uh, they did a, a Justice Society callback. Um, she was in Smallville, Smallville for that because that's, I think, uh, Jack Knight passed the staff along to her in the course of the 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 episode. That is um, just another aside. The um, James Robinson Starman is one of my favorite comic series ever. Cool, it's a very good one. Yep. Yeah, it's probably the best. One of the best non-Vertigo. It should have been Vertigo. I don't even know why it's not Vertigo. I think it was because Starman was in regular DC continuity. Yeah. They got away from that because, like, Animal Man and, like, some of those early ones were continuity, but, you know. Ah, okay. He did, a, he did an excellent version of The Shade, which is kind of, in subsequent years, they've kind of adopted that uh, version of him and characterization. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, I, here's the thing. If you if 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 I only had one set of comics to read for the rest of my life, I would probably pick up my Justice Society comics and say this is going to be it. Um, Billy Batson's in it. There was a nice relationship between Billy and Courtney for a while, until oddly enough, Jay Garrick screwed it up. Like there, there's a reason why, but you, know, you need to read it. Uh, uh, Wildcat, I think, is one of my favorites that doesn't really get a lot of screen time. Wildcat's awesome. The and, fact uh, that more people don't know who he is is a crying shame. Uh, Our Man and Liberty Bell are two of my favorites. Yep. Yeah. Jesse, now, original Liberty Liberty Bell or Jesse Quick Liberty Bell? Um, the one that's with the newer Our Man, so it would be Jesse yes. Quick. Yes, it's a Jesse Quick Liberty Bell. Um, but I also like Jesse Quick from when she was in Wall the Wally West Flash series yeah. as a speedster. But that was um, Johnny Quick's daughter. Yep. So uh, there was a really good Justice Society where she was uh, she was Damage had um, Professor Zoom in a headlock and was going to blow both of them up, and she came in and was telling Damage about how about her journey. And there's this moment where he's trying where where Johnny is trying to teach Jesse the speed formula. He didn't know it at the time, but it, it um, it's what let him tap into the speed force. And she can't get it, and they're getting frustrated. And he says, I just want her to be special. And his wife looks at him and goes, she is special. And there's this page where that, that just hits all of them. It's really good. Since we're on the Justice Society, one of my other honorable mentions is Power Girl. Because in the lead-up to Infinite Crisis, you've got this excellent story about Power Girl. I also liked... Um... 
All-Star Squadron from the 80s, that was kind of like them pre that JSA, but they were straight up on Earth, too, at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, you have to talk about Hawkman and um, the Atom. The, yeah, they, well, they, they were fun. Hawkman has some weird continuity going, but they were fun together. Yeah, Hawkman's a mess. <laughs> yes, his continuity's all screwed up. Dr. Midnight, I like Dr. Midnight, too. Dr. Midnight's awesome. Mr. Terrific and Dr. Midnight's a great pair. What's his owl's name? I can't. I was trying to think of it, and I can't think of oh, it. Oh, you are gonna. You say that, and now I'm going to forget. Since we're, since we're on the Justice Society, here's another one that was on my list. He was not exactly, but kind of a migrant from Kingdom Come, but whenever they introduced Magog as part of the Thy Kingdom storyline, that was like really that cool. See, I didn't like that as much as having um, Earth 2 Superman. No, Kingdom Come Superman. Kingdom Come Superman, yeah. Well, they played into each other. Actually, I like Magog from Kingdom Come a lot because you get... It doesn't happen in the foreground. It's in the background, but you get this repentant arc of Magog in the background of Kingdom Come, and I just... I loved that. Yeah. So much. That's Kingdom Come is a fantastic series. Yes, it is. If you have never read Kingdom... Yes, it's it's staggering. It's all hand painted. All right, um, who's got another honorable mention? I just did like four of them in one go. By the um, way, Shad, uh, the, the owl's name was Hootie. Was it? <laughs> That's what apparently I'm reading. Huh? I, I was trying to look it up. Name. I had a different name. Oh well. I'm going to. I'm actually going to go away from Marvel and DC for the next one. Um, I doubt you two will have much to say about this, but I'm going to use. Uh, Saitama from One Punch Man. Okay. So what One Punch Man is pretty much about is this guy became so powerful that anyone that he faces, he pretty much one shots. Mm-hmm. So pretty much think about, pretty much think about like your typical shonen battle ma- manga like um, Dragon Ball. Yeah. If there was, if you got that fight and then the main character just shows up and like one shots them even sometimes accidentally so what he is is he's just this this bored dude that's like wanting excitement and adventure but he doesn't get it because no one's like strong enough to withstand like the first the first shot yeah uh, i've heard about it i haven't i haven't um i haven't read on it but i've heard about it they made a um when Dragon Ball Z was doing their lead up to the cell games, they did uh, cell game uh, sidebars, and one of them was Saitama showed up, and they, and and Cell was like, "Oh, we're gonna get a fight!" And Saitama, he's like, "What are you gonna do?" And I was, Saitama's like, "I was thinking about punching you." And Cell's like, "This is awesome!" We and he goes, "Well, the cell games are tomorrow. We could do it then." And he's like, "Well, I can't do tomorrow. They're having to buy one, get one at the grocery store, and if I don't do that, we're leaving money on the table." That that actually. They, there was this big dramatic thing going on, and he starts yelling. And everyone's like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "I just missed two for one sales at the grocery store." <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, look it up on YouTube. It's really funny. It's a really great series. Um, if you can find the manga, it's also in Comicsology. I recommend it highly. Like, it's it's got great art, and it's just especially if you're like a person that's had a job that you found boring at any point in your life, you'll really, you'll really kind of sympathize with him and kind of 
you'll just kind of see a lot of your life in it if you've ever had like a job that bored you. Okay. Well, uh, I'm I'm not generally a manga type, but I'll I'm, I may try and and look into it at some point in the future. Um, all right, um, Matt, do you have another uh, honorable mention for us? Uh, I'll do one more that's kind of like really off the wall and yeah. esoteric. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of them. He's actually appeared on some of the Batman stuff. He's been yeah. in the Batman comic books. He's been on a couple of the Batman uh, cartoon shows. Okay. Batman? Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> a really like esoteric character, uh-huh. but the Creeper? The Creeper. Oh, yes. That's a great choice. Yeah, Creeper is a really, really bizarre character. Um, uh, by day, he's basically like a... How would you describe him, Brad? He's kind of like a... They've done different iterations uh, of it. He's kind of like a journalist or... He's kind of like in the in the olden days, they've kind of changed a bit. He was more of like kind of a right-wing-ish muckraker a bit. Kind of. Uh, I think it's... Yeah, they definitely styled him as that kind of like in more recent times where he's almost like a, I, I want to say like Sean Hannity type, but not really. Yeah. But he, it's that kind of thing where he's almost like a, a media figure who's uh, kind of rails about politics and things like that. Um, and then by night, he becomes the creeper who is uh, a superhero, but basically insane. He's mm-hmm. in, like completely off the wall insane, but... It's pretty uh, much Jekyll and Hyde. Like that's except yeah. if Hyde was like a, if Hyde was like a superhero. Yeah, mm. it, it, it is like a play on the Jekyll and Hyde concept, uh, and it's weird because the Creeper, the actual like superhero version, has super actually does have superpowers where uh, he kind of I think they've done they may have done different origins, but it's he basically. I think it's like chemicals or something that gave him the powers, but it's it is Jekyll and Hyde, where the the actual hero version has superpowers, including like a healing factor. He's superhumanly strong. He has a laugh that when he actually like uses the laugh, it's almost like a, a sonic weapon that can drive people crazy. Uh, they did a only like twelve episode series in the late '90s that was super bizarre, but that's mm-hmm. kind of how I first kind of became fascinated by the character. It's a really unique play and they haven't used him too much, but he is kind of associated with the Batman properties, like really kind of like off the wall, weird character, but I've always had like a, an affection for him. So, mm-hmm. okay. Quiz time, Matt, do you know who created him? It's a really good creator too. And a really good uh, so I'm, this is probably wrong. Uh, and I don't think he was, there. I think when he was working for DC, he just did uh, the new universe stuff. But I'm going to go Jack Kirby. Nope. Uh, but you're close, actually. Okay. Steve Ditko. Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. I did not know that. I know that Creeper was created like years and years ago, like in the 60s, I want to say. 70s. Okay. I think. But yeah, he's a, he's a, Steve, Dit- he's a Steve Ditko creation. Wow. So that's why he's awesome. <laughs> I think he did. I think he was in Brave and the Bold too. Um, yeah, I think he made. Well, I think he showed up. I think he showed up in a Batman animated once, didn't he? Yes, maybe. Okay, I thought he did. 
He was uh, well. He was in um. He was so they had the Batman the animated series, and then if you remember, they did almost like a secondary series where it was like it was, episodes. It was in continuity, like when they moved Dick on to be Nightwing and brought Tim in. Yes, it's yeah, the it new uh, the new Batman Adventures of Batman or something like that. Yes, yes. So he was in an episode of that, and then he was years later in an episode of, of uh, Brave and the Bold. Okay. Tim had a Tim had a really horrible end in the animated series. If you watched um, oh, Batman yeah. Beyond uh, Return of the Joker, yeah, oh yeah, oh man, that's probably uh, the most brutal thing they did in those. Yeah, that's animated. That's rough. You don't even like explicitly see it, but it's it's still rough. Um, no, the other they did, thing, like an unrated version where there's more detail to it. Oh, did they? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's rough. Um if we're going to mention it by the way, if if you want like a really really another really good in that that style of um Batman Superman animated stuff is go check out World's uh, World's Finest. It is excellent. Which one is that? Is that where Batman and Superman meet? Yep. Okay. Oh, uh, it's it's really good. So all right, that's 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 an obscure pick, man. I like that. Um, that's a good pick. I'm gonna take us back to uh, take us back to Astro City for a second, and I'm just gonna say the Confessor. Um, if you oh, have not a, yeah, read that, that's a really good one. Yeah, man, the Confessor is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't talk about him without spoiling anything, though. So Ast- the the storyline is called Confession. Astro City Confession. Seriously, go check it out. It's really good. Since I don't have much more on that, I'm going to go even more obscure. And you don't see him in the DC Comics much. And I'm going with the old school version, not the new 52 one, which just pisses me off. I'm going to go with Richard Dragon. Oh, wow. What have they done in the new 52? Someone... he came up? Someone uh, brought... Richard Dragon brought a pupil to Richard Dragon. He was uh, Latino or something, and he he poisoned Richard Dragon and then took his name for the notoriety. So oh, he's he's a he's a generic gangster who who took Richard Dragon's name. Richard Dragon is at least in in the old DC the and I'm I'm not kidding when I say that the martial artist in the DCU. He taught Batman how to fight. He he taught everybody in in the DCU, at least on the hero side, how to fight. And, you know, he tailored what he taught them to what it is they do. Um, There was a short run. There was a miniseries, I think, uh, about Richard Dragon that I have all the copies of that's really good. He's my guy. uh, Is that the one that Chuck Dixon did? Or am I that, that sounds like something Chuck Dixon would do a really excellent series of. It only got like six issues. I think I'm looking I'm, up I, right now. I think into the Chuck Dixon one, uh, which I don't think it had that many, but I, I'm pretty sure I had all of those issues. Let's see. Uh, I like that Richard Dragon is a kind of obscure one, but I like that one. He. For those who don't know, I guess he's almost kind of like conceptually like a DC equivalent of like Iron Fist. 
Uh, I was going to say he's like but, a DC equivalent of, of Stick. Yeah, in, the, yeah. in his role, because he trained like a bunch of Except he's artists. Like a, not he's, blind. He's, well, he's not blind. He, oddly enough, was going bald, but he's he's better, right? Like, that's the thing. is He's better at all this, but he doesn't, at least the original version of the original version of Richard Dragon, he's better, but he's not going out. He doesn't want to go out and get in fights. He's just, he's content being by himself where he is, but people come to him to learn, so he'll teach him. The Chuck Dixon revamp that you're referring to, yes. Um, he's he's kind of spiraled into some, some um, Death Seeker tendencies, and, you know, he trained Batman, he trained Nightwing, he trained... Connor Hawk, Green Arrow, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you're you're right about it, and it's got this fantastic in one of the early episodes because he's tracking down the the students he had that basically turned to crime, and uh, how how he breaks down how he fights, what he trained them in, and then how he fights them. I just that's one of my favorite things because that's as a martial artist, honest to God, that's the this is going to sound so self-congratulatory, but that's kind of the way I think, or I would have thought about doing stuff like that. Okay, I'm done. So let's go into some villains. Um, why don't we go with Shad since uh, he usually goes last? Like, Shad, let's let's pull out your favorite villain. Or do we just want to name... Because I think, I think we'll be like around the same on these, but why don't you start us off, Shad? Uh, I'm not going to... On my list, I don't like. I've got some of these are these are some of my favorites, but they're in no particular order. Um, I'll I'll start off with the cosmic one, Dark Side. That's where I thought you were gonna go. Yeah, the 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 thing that Thanos aspires to be like. Um, well, no, they're they're they Kirby are... created. Kirby created Darkseid first, and then when he went to go work at Marvel, he wanted to write Darkseid, so he made Thanos. Yeah, but Th- Thanos is very different. The movies kind of really, I feel like, ruined Thanos. Um, uh, the, the th- uh, go ahead, Matt. I'll, I'll, I can see where you're saying that, um, because the comic version is a very different version than the movie version. Yeah. But I... I get that. I think that's that's fair. But I think that they did the movie version so well as kind of its own standalone, and they they really made the the movie Thanos incredibly complex. Given how they only really had a couple, he was in other movies, but they only had a couple movies to really flesh him out, and they made him so complex, and they actually in a weird way humanized him and gave him like strong motivations. And maybe that's partly just good acting by Josh Brolin. But I think the movie version of Thanos is like fantastic, but I do, I think it's a fair criticism to say that the it's, it's very different from the comic version, which has its own complexities yeah, and the, has also um, been done very well. Yeah. Marvel comics. Thanos is just a romantic at heart mm-hmm. because you know, he just, he just, <laughs> He just wants to woo his woman with, you know, some flowers, some candy, a few billion dead souls. Like, you know, yeah. he's just a romantic at heart. Well, that's what I was going to... Darkseid is 
not a romantic dark side is a a force not even of nature a force of the cosmos the the versions of dark side you see show up in the comics are avatars of him because you know it's it's how dark side has been project like the dark side you see walking around on apocalypse is part of dark side but it is not the whole of dark side that's why sometimes Superman can be dark side to a pulp, and then there are sometimes when Superman can't seem to hurt him. Is it's a question of how much of dark side is dark side exerting himself into that avatar? Uh, because dark side um, is. I think where dark side is exceedingly interesting is, um, I think no other villain exists in the amount of lore that he does with the apocalypse and new Genesis stuff. Uh-huh. Like it feels like Dark Side feels like he's part of something bigger. Yeah. Um Dark Side is the something bigger. That's the thing. Is is Dark Side is um he in the DC universe God as as what you would think of whenever you you hear that phrase. Abrahamic God is called the presence. Neron is the devil, but Darkseid is really the counterpoint to the presence. And he has a great supporting cast of like minions because you have Granny Goodness, you have Steppenwolf, you have um, Glorious Godfrey. Yep. Yeah, it's it, there's it. He's a just excellent villain. Oh, Calabac. Calabac, you tie Orion into it. The Son of Darkseid storyline. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, yeah, and it just as an aside, like, unfortunately, this is a, a lament I have about the DC uh, cinematic universe that they, they obviously, with Justice League, they're, they, they're building, if they're still going that route, they're building towards Darkseid, but I feel since they, since Marvel did Thanos so well and the DC movies have kind of been a mess, that we're, we're likely never going to get like that amazing version of dark side no on the screen and if if we ever even did see dark side in a movie then people who aren't really in the know who are kind of ignorant about the comic versions but they're probably just gonna be like oh you really oh, like, rip, off rip thanos. off yeah you guys are just ripping off thanos even though that's dark that's, side predated thanos but i see that that's happen. a pimp slamping yeah that, that's yeah <laughs> matt Go why don't you give the- us a villain I'm sorry, Brad. I cut you off there. I was going to say, going to the animated, though, also shows a nice side of Darkseid where they beat him in Superman and he kills Turpin just because he's a petty little asshole, too. Oh, yeah. He is evil in every way you can really think of evil. His ultimate goal is to just strip free will out of the universe. That was Turpin, right? I didn't just totally yeah, get it. It was Turpin. Okay. Okay. It was Turpin. Dan Turpin. Matt, why don't you give us a villain? Uh, Well, can I actually, before we go, can I just talk about that since you just brought it up uh super i liked batman the animated series far better than superman but i did really enjoy the superman series yeah i mean it's by the same guys but right uh when superman just goes ballistic on dark side because of dan turpin's death yeah that to me is like amazing like i as a kid i just a kind of tie it into wrestling i marked out when when that happened like that was an amazing uh yeah part of that show well um, that's and that's where the world of cardboard speech came from 
Yeah. Is because Superman said to Darkseid, he's like, but you can take it, can't you, big guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go for for villains. Like, I... I so, again, kind of tying it to pro, pro wrestling, like, I always loved the heels more. And I kind of always love comic books villains a little bit more just because they're the ones who, like, bring the drama. Like, they're the, the narrative conflict flows through the villains in pro wrestling and also in comic books. Uh, and because Batman is my number one uh, comic book character hero. Say I'm, it. I'm going to go with the Joker. As yeah. Number one, number one villain. Um, and there has been... Obviously, over the years, I mean, Joker has been around almost as many years as Batman. Batman, 80 years old now. Joker has been around almost that long. They've done so many different iterations of Joker from, you know, the campy Cesar Romero uh, Joker of the 1960s to, you know, Heath Ledger to kind of the quintessential Joker, in my opinion, which is Mark Hamill from Mark Hamill. Yeah. From Batman, the animated series and the Batman Arkham video game. Uh, and let alone like all the different kind of versions of Joker from the comic. You're forgetting you're forgetting the Jack Nicholson Joker too. Yeah, I like. I loved that when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and then I think in years past, like since since Mark Hamill, since Heath Ledger, like I, I, I don't know if it's going to hold up as well. I mean, I thought I still think it's going to. It'll be great, but I think there's been so many different, like, amazing versions that are done. So, yeah. I don't know. I think I think Joker is just... I mean, he, Joker is clearly, like, an archetype. He represents the chaos to Batman's order. Right. Uh, I've always been fascinated by it. Uh, I think just one of the, the great classic supervillains of all time. Yeah. I think I think where Mark Hamill was so brilliant as the Joker is that he encapsulated like the um just kind of both sides of the personality perfectly. I think where people go wrong with the Joker is they don't balance it. Mm-hmm. It's all manic or all dark. Cuz like yeah. there's um what I love about Batman the animated series is I love um I love his dysfunctional little fucked up life with Harley Quinn and how they have like the babies, which are two hyenas that eat people. Yeah. And I can't remember their names, but Shad probably knows them. Bud and Lou. They're named after Abbott and Costello. Oh, wow. Yup. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Joker. Everyone wants the crazy villain, but they're always going to be measured against the Joker, and they're not going to be as good. You know, and, um, I... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. My my favorite Mark Hamill is the Joker line is "You killed Captain Cloud." Yes, you killed Captain Cloud. Yes, that's a great line. Um, I can't just pick one. He's got so many great lines. I can't pick one. Oh, and uh, him him sexually harassing the robot in Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> forgot all about that actually going back to mask of the phantasm that might be the best individual joker performance of all time by anyone ever there's just so many good 
Mark Hamill Jokers. Because, like, it's a perfect Joker moment, like, when the whole, like, that World's Fair is blowing up and he just starts laughing hysterically while the Phantasm has him. Yeah, because he's like, well, we ain't getting out. This is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll true. Have, that's really good. Here's, a, here's another good one. Um, oh, hold on. Uh, it's uh, it's from The Man Who Killed Batman. Yes. Whereas, yes. where he thinks he thinks that he's like, uh, you know, killed Batman, and it's like, Sit oh, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. Uh, who's up for Chinese? <laughs> yes, that is actually Mark Hamill's favorite thing to do in that voice is that speech. Yeah, today is the day the clown cried. He loves that. That ends with "Who wants Chinese?" It's just yeah. so excellent. I also love like, sure, I'll take off Batman, but the IRS, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I actually dropped that on some people who I was doing taxes for uh, this past tax season. As they said, they were like, oh, it'll be fine. I said, even no, even the Joker doesn't mess with the IRS. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's the Joker, man. What uh, Caveat, not Jared Leto. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I knew that was going to – I don't know who thought that was a good idea. I don't know, but not Jared Leto. I. Uh, I actually am super interested and excited for the uh, the Joaquin Phoenix version that's going to be coming out in this fall. Like, although I've seen some criticism from people who are saying like they're trying to make Joker sympathetic, which I guess I can get, but I don't know. We have, we have to we'll have to wait to see the movie come out. Like they may they may be doing a twist on it where he's actually not sympathetic at the end. I hope they do like the Heath Ledger thing where he tells that story and you kind of feel for him. And then he tells that same story, but like it's completely different later on. You're like, you motherfucker! Like I almost felt sorry for you for a minute. That's right. what the Joker. Joker said he always preferred his uh, history to be uh, multiple choice. That so. was well done by Ledger, though, because I, I don't remember what the first story was. I think like where he was disfigured, and then he told it, but it was a completely different story. And you're just like, you lying asshole. Yep, he told like he told it three times, I think. Yeah, and if I can just interject. The Killing Joke to me is one of the best Batman stories of all time, and that's to me like that's that's such an amazing concept of the Joker. Uh, and they kind of even touch upon that as well. Like at the end, he's like, "Well, you know, sometimes I remember my life this way. Sometimes I remember it another way." Yeah, that's where the multiple choice line came from. Yeah, I I can't remember what it's from, and I can never remember what it's from, but. I think Merton did it, where they made where he made Joker sane for like thirty seconds. Oh, Metron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the um, Rock of Ages, maybe. Whatever. His, no, he was in his chair. What's it called? Metron's chair. No, I meant the storyline. Might have been the, Rock of oh. Ages. Is but, it um, the device? Might be. But there's a there's a story. I think it was in JLA where they made him sane, and he was just like, "I've done terrible things," and he just like sits there like in a catatonic state. Well, yeah, yeah, yes, that it's the Mobius chair. It's the Mobius okay. chair. There we go. That's okay. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's a great. That was on my list, Matt. That's a great pick. Oh, I also liked when he was the. Um, the Iranian ambassador had had diplomatic immunity from the late 80s. Yeah, like, that was so weird. 
a death in the family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where he kills, or yeah, he quote unquote kills the Tim Drake. Well, I guess he does kill. No, he killed no, Jason. Jason Todd. Oh, Jason yeah, Todd. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, he totally killed Jason Todd until Superboy Prime punched reality. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> um, since we're talking about Batman villains, I'm going to drop another one of my favorites, and you're going to know it's one of my favorites because I got a costume of him. That would be Bane, the man who broke the bat. Um, I'm just fascinated by the complexity in that character. I did not care for the Christopher Nolan Bane. Oh, that's that's because that, that made version. him into a, a sec. They made him into a second fiddle, and they co-opted his backstory. Gotham that was is yours. <laughs> I love this South care. Park where they do that. The, see, the proper way to do that is you have to take both of your hands, you have to curl your fingers down into your palms, and then you hold your fingers. A- Against your mouth and talk like this. I thought you had to give yourself the mandible claw. Well, <laughs> then you can't articulate at all, but I'm talking about Nightfall. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a Tom Hardy fan, so I actually well, did that version. So, For me, it's – and for the, the, the Tom Hardy version is as close as we've gotten in a live-action medium to the Nightfall Bane. Yeah, and Nightfall Bane is is just bad ass in every way you can think of. He's smart. He's so terrifyingly brutal. He's you know clever. It's all that stuff. Um, well, let's let's um. Why don't we just briefly describe the plot? If someone's listening, and they haven't read Nightfall. So what Nightfall is is Bane lets everybody out of Arkham Asylum. After escaping a prison that he was born and grew up yeah. in. So Batman has to like, Batman pretty much spends like the next three days recapturing all the Arkham Asylum inmates. He pretty much comes home and Bane pretty much beats his ass and then breaks his back. Because he, he figured out who Batman was. He's waiting for him in the cave. Um, that's that's the scary part. Is he figured it out? He turned everybody loose to wear him all the way down, and then he's waiting for him in the cave, and breaks him. And it's it's terrifying in that moment when when Bruce looks up and sees him standing there. Um, yeah, he's just such a good villain. Had they shown him before? Because I know like they did some stuff. I think he had fought some villains before then, though. He he broke Killer Croc's arms. Uh, I think he messed with the Riddler. He pumped the Riddler full of venom. Yeah. And then turned the Riddler loose on Batman. So it's been a long time since I've read it, like a really yeah. long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. Just I love the character. Um, so you know, just if you haven't read it, um, pick it up. It's that good. I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction and not someone I necessarily would have picked a long time ago, but because of Superior Spider-Man and how great that series was and how okay. I think that became like one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time. Which I'm one again? Pick... You kind so, of cut out. Which one? Uh, Superior Spider-Man. Uh, okay. So, um, Dr. Octopus. Doc Ock. Which he's I would on, say... He's on my list. A, Yep. So if you haven't read Superior Spider-Man, pretty much what happens is he takes over Spider-Man's 
mind like through some some things that happen and so he tries to be a hero and that's what that series is about that's fascinating it really it's is. actually it's really good um i recommend anyone read it if you if you want to see like someone actually do something different with a character do that read that okay all right that that would be really cool um, and Matt, I think he had a good uh, movie portrayal. Oh, when it was um, Alfred Molina. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Well, even uh, even Into the Spider Verse had the the female Doc Ock, and that was actually pretty fun too. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if uh, well, with the new films with Tom Hardy, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're going to go back to actually covering villains that we've, we have, we've seen before, but I would be interested to see if they actually go in that direction. I would actually have faith in them to, to redo characters they've already done before, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to take this as an opportunity to drop my favorite uh, Marvel villain here. And the scariest part about this guy is he's right. And that's Magneto. I know Magneto has kind of been played out a lot, and we've seen a lot of him, but let's take him down to his core, um, where he says, you know, the mutants need to band together because the rest of humanity is going to rise up and try and kill him. Uh, and, you know, he comes to this as a Holocaust survivor. The damnedest thing is he's right, because that's exactly what happened. And, the you know... He, he's going on the offense early on, and yet he's also defending himself and the people close to him. If the, it, it, if the balance, if, the, if his mixture was a little more self-defense and a little less aggressive, he'd be a hero. Um, but he's, he's because of his, the trauma he's been through, that, you know, that's why he's taking the action he is. And then House of M, which was really cool too so I think where I think where he's such a great villain and where I think a lot of villains don't really take root is his story is so intertwined with Professor X's oh they yeah really, they really can't exist outside of each other mm-hmm. right they're, they're these massive counterpoints to each other as well and so and he also had a great um I liked in the movie, the first X-Men, I think it was. No, it was the second one where they injected that guard with metal. Yes. Yes. Um, Mystique did that. Yep. And uh, Michael Fassbender is a really great young Magneto. Yeah, I agree with that. He is. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little like hot and cold on those X-Men first class type movies, but I think he is a bright spot in those films. Right. I thought the first um, first class movie was good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. My problem with them was the. F- I'm gonna I'm gonna sum up the crux of it is that you had the character Darwin in there for no other reason than to die to show everyone how serious things are. Yeah, and I don't I don't like that. That is indicative to me of lazy writing. But it also had the greatest, like, Wolverine cameo ever. That's true. I think that was, Hugh Jackman said that was the only way he'd do the cameo. Might be. That is great, though. And I, I don't know how that, 
didn't they have a PG-13 rating even with him telling them to go fuck themselves? You can get one F-bomb in a PG-13. Okay. If, well, it was well used in that. If you drop more than one, then they're they're going to push you to an R, I think. Because um, it's in the commentary of the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith. To be PG-13, you get one. And so they were trying to figure out the best place to use it. And the same thing goes for first class. They got one place to use it, so they let Wolverine use it. And that was the right choice. Also, it is... um. X-Men First Class is a really brilliant reimagining and retelling of X-Men issue number one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very well done. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. But, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. So. No, and they've kind of gone some directions I don't agree with, with him over the years. Sure, sure. Well, that, I mean, that makes sense. Um, no, no, no one's writing record is going to be stellar. Is no. there going to be a bunch of people who are like, "Oh, I want to do this," and you're like, "Ah, you're not talented." Okay, never mind. Well, they have a. I'm hopeful because Jonathan Hickman's taking over the X Men in the summer. Okay. And um, that makes me hopeful. We'll get something good. Sure. Um, let me I'm see. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with the X Men and uh, throw the Juggernaut out there. Oh, <laughs> mostly for mostly for like his brief redemption in the 2000s. I thought really fleshed his character out, and they really did some exploration with him that I found interesting. Okay. Do you remember when Marvel bought uh was it the Ultraverse? Yeah, they bought them for the um they bought them so they for their coloring for their pages. Basically. Um yeah. but they had Juggernaut now suddenly leading uh the ex the exiles. I think I remember that. Oh, uh, I, I had those issues. Uh that was pretty cool actually. I did like the fact that they kinda like redeemed him for a bit. Yeah, and that, um, that Squid Boy that, like, kind of helped along with that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. Just trying to straighten something up here real quick. Oh, you're fine. Uh, Matt, why don't you throw one out there? Uh, okay. Uh, Doc Ock was actually on my list. Uh, I'm gonna go... I could go... Wow, there's so many villains I could go with, but I know it's it's tough. Uh, I'm actually gonna go with someone that actually Shad may have something to say about, but I think this this is even though I I've expressed that I don't I'm not as big of a fan of Superman. Yeah, I think that Lex Luthor is one of the best comic book villains of all time. Lex Luthor is really fascinating. Yeah. So I really loved. Um, I think they've gone back on it, but I haven't read Superman in a couple years. Lex Luthor actually being a hero was really interesting. I haven't read those, but I've heard about it, and I've heard so, like, I've heard very good things about it. Because so, like, he decided he was he was going to share the best in humanity and pretty much like become a hero. And he's still Lex Luthor, but he's like found a purpose, like a rightful purpose. And he and Superman kind of, like, eventually come to this place where they have, like, a mutual respect and understanding for each other. Mm-hmm. See, that is... Uh, they've, 
authors have done a lot of things with Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, so he's been written in a lot of different ways, but the one aspect of Lex Luthor that I have found actually utterly fascinating, mm-hmm. which they've, they've, they've touched upon it at points in comics, and they were trying to get at it in Superman versus Batman, which is probably the worst, the worst like version of of Lex Luthor I've ever seen with okay. Jesse Eisenberg. Like that's yeah, that was just god awful. But the aspect of Lex Luthor where he is essentially styling himself as either the best of humanity or at least a champion or hero of humanity, opposed to Superman, who he views as an existential threat to mankind right is a, is an aspect and a concept of Lex Luthor that I actually find the most fascinating because it's not entirely villainous mm-hmm. like it's villainous only in the sense that he becomes crazed by it and he takes things too far and he is obsessed with his own arrogance but I liked that whole presentation where he views Superman an alien who is essentially a god coming yeah. to uh you know the world uh and in some respects is worth the movie they they kind of touched upon it they didn't explore as much as I think they could have right but I thought I found it fascinating where it's like he's he's doing things that in his mind seem heroic because he's trying to save humanity from what he views as a alien threat yeah uh but because he's an incredibly flawed character and he's again he's he's arrogant he thinks he's superior to everyone else it gets warped into like an, a villainous evil thing but i actually find that concept fascinating and they did uh mark millar did a really like great elseworlds series superman mm-hmm. red sun yeah have you guys read yeah. that one yeah worse and for those who don't know that's an elseworld elseworld story where superman uh what if superman didn't land in Kansas. He landed in uh, Soviet Russia, where yep. he was raised to follow communism and basically Superman uh, helps the Soviet Union conquer the world. And then in that uh, presentation, that Lex Luthor is actually a kind of a hero. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's the same concept where it's like I'm defending Earth from an alien threat. I actually find right. that concept of, of Lex Luthor really fascinating because it kind of flips the traditional hero villain thing on its side. I mean, he's still villainous, but in his mind, he's not in his mind. He's actually doing something heroic. He's trying to save humanity. Yeah. There's a, there's a really great, um, oh, I think Joel Ostrander did it. It was during um, post-crisis. Shad's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's this issue where Lex Luthor, I think, is having a dinner date with Lois. And he's telling her the story about how he sees this, like, this monster he's created, like, battle with Superman and how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. But So that's going across the top of the issue. But the bottom of the issue is this creature comes across, I think, the vigilante and so you have him telling the story, then you have like what's actually happening where this non-powered guy pretty much fights this monster off, mm-hmm. like valiantly. And so you have like the two stories going. Was it Vigilante or was it, are we talking? No, Gangbuster, Gangbuster. There we, I was going to say, is it Gangbuster or Guardian? 
But, yeah, gangbusters. Okay, sorry. I'm with you. So that's that's a really great Lex Luthor issue. It really shows like what Matt's saying about him, like how his view of reality just doesn't mesh. There was a comic that was done from Lex's point of view, where every anytime Superman shows up, his face is always covered in shadow, except his eyes are glowing red. He always refers to him as the alien. Um, it's a uh, you know it, it kind of gives you this insight. Now I think there was a comic at some point where he was trying to sell someone on the no I'm I'm the hero. He's the one who's coming to take over. And someone's like, if you're so smart and, and capable of all this, why don't you just go ahead and do good things for people? Why don't you just go ahead and cure cancer? Why don't you just go ahead and do this stuff regardless of what Superman's doing and and prove it as opposed to just standing here and telling us all this and he doesn't have an answer for him. And I was like, ah, wow. Someone called him out for it. Also going back to, um, the animated, the, um, the justice league where he gets cancer and pretty much blames Superman, even though he was the one carrying kryptonite around all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Chad, to, to, to speak to what you said, I actually, that's, that is kind of another aspect of that. Uh, Lex Luthor concept that I like it's, is that Lex in a way is actually supposed to represent the best of humanity and that he is a genius he could he could cure cancer if he really set his mind to it but he's too obsessed with Superman to actually do those good deeds right yeah he could be a competitor with Superman without being an enemy but he won't do it yeah well, that's where he, that's where the recent run. I think they did it because you know, God forbid, we change things. But that's kind of where they took him, and it mm-hmm. was really interesting. That was that kind of played into President Luther too, didn't it? I haven't read President Luther in so long. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I he think did steal forty cakes though. He he stole forty cakes. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, I'm going to drop my last entry for villains. And I had another one that I was thinking about doing, but honestly, uh, I'm going to go with this one instead because of the implications that fascinate me. <clears throat> Little setup. <clears throat> Jeff Johns is a fascinating writer. Like, Jeff Johns has this encyclopedic knowledge of all the stuff that's happened in comics in the past, and he loves to tie it in to the point of what I call continuity wank, where everything's tied to something else. And it's like, okay, it, just, I. <sighs> It, everything doesn't have to be tied in. But then he went from War of the Light to Blackest Night. And we got Black Hand and the Black Lanterns. And so you think of the, the idea of a zombie apocalypse is scary? Think about the idea of Black Lanterns, which are zombies of people that have access to the memories of whoever they used to be. And heroes who at one point died. Superman, Wonder Woman, um, Hawkman, things like, you know, all these people who have at some point died and come back get hit with Black Lantern rings. And so now... Didn't they have the Anti-Monitor running around? The Anti-Monitor was tied in originally with the Sinestro Sinestro Corps, and then he died, and he became the power battery for the Black Lanterns. Because then they had Superboy, I think, is a Black Lantern. Superboy was, was a Sinestro Lantern. Yeah, he was and a Sinestro they didn't Boy. kill okay. him. They didn't kill him. They uh, they finally 
captured him and held him in a Green Lantern prison next to a Red Sun. Okay. Um, I I did like about Blackest Night. Um, uh, Flash got a blue ring. Yeah. The in the in the climax to it, they duplicate the color spectrum rings. Incidentally, Saint Walker is another one who should have been on my honorable mentions list. He's pretty much the only Blue Lantern, but blue is the color of hope, and I just I love everything that could have gone into that they haven't done anything with. But Did Batman get a green ring? Batman had an opportunity for both a Green Lantern S- ring and a Sinestro ring, Sinestro and he turned them both ring. down. Yeah. He also he kept had, uh, Scarecrow from getting one. He yeah. should have had a red ring offered to him, too. For rage. Uh, yeah. They gave... Um, they did give Scarecrow one of the yellow rings for the climax. Incidentally, they gave Lex Luthor the one of the orange rings of avarice, which means first the first thing Lex Luthor did is he KO'd Scarecrow time to take his yellow ring, and then he got into a fight with um, oh god now I'm going to forget his name the guy who because there had only ever been one orange ring because it was the color of greed. And oh, it was just one. Larflees. Yeah, it was Larflees. He got in a so, fight with Larflees because they're like, no, it's my yellow. It's my orange. No, it's my orange. It's my orange. And they took each other out of the fight. Can we so, talk about the greatest lantern of them all, though? Sure. Dexstar. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> so you both, both of you have actually just stole like two of my honorable mentions because oh. uh, for a villain, Larflees is actually one of my... Uh, honorable mentions because i think he's been he was a he's been a tremendous villain and uh it's just as a side character as uh as pretty much the only member of the orange yeah he's the only lantern yeah uh but dexter is dexter is the best uh red lantern i'm still mad like how did we never get like a special of crypto versus dexter oh i don't know because crypto would just murder him but dexter is good kitty Yes. Yes, Dexter is yeah. good kitty. Um, just um, he should have been in my honorable mention, but Crypto vs. Atlas is one of my favorite comic books ever. Uh, Matt, I was gonna I was gonna mention to you one of my favorite things about Larflees is whenever he went he found out about Santa Claus and went hunting Santa Claus. Yes. He, oh, wanted yeah. Santa's, he wanted Santa's bag of toys. <laughs> he has no concept of what's going on, but he wants it. That was a great one. Yeah. Well, he's he's a great villain, but he's also easily manipulated. Luther manipulated him by saying, oh, well, if you, if you want to really be important, you need land. And Larflees is like, land? I want some land. What is land? Like, the, the whole concept of owning land is foreign to him, but he wants it. Because, you know, the orange light of avarice. Greed. Ooh, I don't know about you guys, but I think I'm about tapped out. I have one more. One more. If, uh, Let's do yeah. that. Let's do one more. Okay. So I don't know if um, I would necessarily call this a villain so much as a force of the universe, um, but Galactus. Oh, I bet I know what it is. Galactus. Galactus, yep. Oh, That's yeah. what I thought it was going to be. That's... Galactus is an interesting case to me, but Brad, why don't you keep going? Well, I mean, he so the things surrounding him are interesting. Like the Silver Surfer is obviously interesting, but the fact that 
there's really no malice in Galactus. He's just doing what he's meant to do. I'm in this weird spot with Galactus because obviously he's something you have to deal with, but I don't know if I can call him a villain. That's what I said. I don't yeah. know if I, I would call him a villain so much as a force of nature, but he's um, it's always interesting when he shows up and you know, like it's bad when he shows up and like in Annihilation when he got taken out, like that was, you know, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, this is really bad. Yeah. Because didn't they draw him in because they thought, well, this is Galactus, so he's going to stomp all over whatever? Yeah, and the, the bug creatures fucked him up. Um, oh, yeah. Annalis, the Annalis wave? Yeah. 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 The fascinating, yeah. I, to me, the idea, you know, the heroes forming up to fight Galactus is like seeing a bunch of firemen square up to go punch a hurricane. Um, that's the image in my head anyway. There's not exactly a, a, a DC counterpart to that. Uh, is there? Not really. Maybe, not even, Imperiax is, is, doesn't even work. No, because there's not even like a DC equivalent related to the Celestials either, now that I think about it. Mm, what, Zariel and the, the Heavenly Host, right? Mm. Not really a yeah, good, maybe. not really good comparison. Incidentally, the Zariel's introduction, it came in the dark period when Superman was electric instead of just Superman, because that uh, was a good idea. Uh, Superman blue, Superman red. Yeah, which was a retelling of a story from the 60s that I had the original comic of. Uh, oh, yeah, I've was, read that. It's a, it's a what-if story. But even then, that story was still very good. So yeah, um, Zariel comes to Earth because he'd been a uh, he'd been a guardian angel, and he decided to come to Earth because he fell oh, in love with um, the person he was guarding on, and then the other angels follow after him because he found something on found out about something on the way out. Just just the last one, um, but um, before we go tonight, but Bizarro World with like Bizarro Batman and Bizarro Wonder Woman and all the Bizarros is also hilarious. Bizarro can easily cross the line from very funny to very scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Infinite Crisis, I remember Bizarro leading the charge against the Freedom Fighters. And, oh, that was scary. Because the Freedom Fighters come out of the building, and there's Bizarro and Black Adam and Deathstroke and two other people that really don't matter that much. And they just beat the... They basically killed all the Freedom Fighters except for Uncle Sam and the Ray. So that's... That was that was that was terrifying because there's there's Bizarro just standing in the middle of the group with this big grin on his face and he says goodbye and you're just like oh wow that works both ways all right well guys do do we is that wrap it up for us then yeah I'm good yeah I think so all right well hey we've been talking comics listen if you um. Let us know. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Hit us up on social media. Uh, let us know what you think. Do you want to hear us do more stuff like this? Uh, as Brad mentioned, we're going to be going back to the wrestling, talking about the Mega Powers, brother. Yeah. And um, kind of breaking that down in the future. This is uh, Shad, Matt, and Brad. We've been in three panels. You're in the fourth. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you guys for joining us.